Hey friends, welcome to Forging the Path. This is a podcast for a generation of men who are battling isolation, distraction, passivity, in which we learn to become the men God created us to be by following Jesus, our trailblazer. And today I'm super excited. I'm beyond excited because uh, I have Kevin here with me. Kevin is, Kevin's my brother. Kevin's my friend. Kevin's also my pastor. And Kevin, what I would want you guys to know about Kevin is that Kevin loves Jesus so much. Kevin is deep in the word. I love the way he teaches the Bible. Uh, Kevin has an amazing family. He's a father and a husband before he's anything in ministry. Uh, his wife and his four kids are wonderful. Kevin's also a musician, and I would say this is this is his own claim to fame. He is the king of backyard games. <laughs> I, 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 I've seen some of it firsthand. I mean, he's pretty good, but that's a... That's a big claim. And the last thing I'll say, just for fun, Kevin, you whittled your own pipe. I did. Yes, I did. I have a, uh, I have what I've called an, an illness uh, that I, I look at things and I go, I should be able to do that. It doesn't matter what it is. I should be able to do that. I can figure that out. I can solve it. And so um, when I was taking down an apple tree in my backyard, I decided, you know what? I'm going to make something useful out of this tree and... Uh, yeah, so I made a pipe. <laughs> Dude, I love that. Yeah, we were we were hanging out by the fireside one night and having some pipes, which our wives, of course, loved. They love. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Kevin's like, oh, yeah, here, I made this one. And I'm just like, what? Dude, you made a pipe. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. I don't know any other guy uh, in, in my circle who's made his own pipe. So I thought that would be fun for you guys to get to know Kevin. Um, Kevin, anything else to add to that uh, introduction? I don't think so. Um, that was a pretty good introduction. I I do uh, I do love the gospel. Uh, that is that's my thing. Uh, it, we often overcomplicate life. We often overcomplicate church uh, theology ministry. Um, but everything hinges on the gospel. Mm. That that is it. The entirety of Scripture, all of it, is the gospel. And uh, I think if we can realize that, uh, if we can like just sit in that the impact that it will have on all of our facets of life um, is going to be remarkable if we truly get and understand the gospel, so. Amen, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that, you'll, you'll probably hear that quite a bit in our conversation coming up and in yeah. future conversations. Absolutely. All right, Kevin, today uh, we're taking a look at, see, this, this <clears throat> is my heart today for this particular episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about marriage, but the reason that your voice is going to be so encouraging is because you have counseled many people in their marriages as a pastor. You've seen a lot, and uh, it would be really great to look at this beautiful gift that God has given us in marriage uh, from more of like a boots-on-the-ground perspective and a little bit less of the ethereal um, big picture stuff, but like, hey, here's practical everyday implications and applications for having a beautiful marriage the way God designed it. Uh, and so we're going to dive right in. First question, um, Kevin, how would you articulate this? What is marriage? What is its purpose? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would just throw out there is that <clears throat> we have to understand that it's not a civil thing. It's a God thing. And so um, 
a lot of times we think of, you know, the actual ceremony of, of marriage, the actual, you know, by the state or by the government or whatever it is that this union happens, but it is a God thing far more than it is a civil thing. And so, you know, from the beginning of creation, from the beginning of time, God creates the male and female. It says what uh, Genesis 2, that the two become one flesh, right? And so um, that union of a man and a wife, yes, that is sexually, <laughs> but that union is a God thing. And you see that then reflected all the way back when Paul encourages husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And so it's first and foremost a God thing as a, um, an image, a reflector of the gospel, of Christ and the church. And so the first thing that I would say is like we have to get it in our brains that this is a God thing. There mm-hmm. is no marriage. There is no marriage. And, I, and culture is trying to redefine everything and trying to redefine marriage. There is no marriage except for God marriage, for God-ordained marriage. So what God says about marriage is marriage. Everything else is, is a, re, a redefining of it, whether that be in civil areas or, or cultural areas, whatever it is. Um, it's first and foremost a God thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I love that. Um, we didn't come up with marriage. We didn't invent the idea of marriage. Marriage was God's design. And so therefore, maybe not as much in this episode, but definitely in future episodes, we're going to go here. Uh, when we talk about sex, we're going to have the same understanding from a biblical worldview. Like, hey, this wasn't our idea. Right. We did not invent this or come up with this. God gave it to us as a gift. So that that has huge implications for uh, combating even what, what some of the lies that we get from culture and, you know, the world out there is trying to tell us about marriage and sex and a whole variety of other things. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like, if you, if you understand it as, as a God thing far more than even just a union thing or a civil thing, um, the fact that it reflects, the, it reflects the glory of Christ, it reflects the glory of the gospel, um, you know, as I referenced Ephesians 5, I, I usually try to point out to couples that when when Paul commands husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, that's that wasn't just like I have a bunch of messed up guys that I need to get them to be better husbands. Uh-huh. He's pointing to it like this great mystery that I'm talking about is of Christ and the church. This union of a husband and wife is meant to be a reflector, like we are created in the image of God, to reflect the image of God. We are reflectors of it. And so even the union of a husband and a wife, the two becoming one flesh, is supposed to be that reflector of the union of Christ and his church. And so when when we get it as a God thing or, or the, the grand goal of it, the purpose of it, to be a reflection of Christ in the church, it takes on um, deeper and and more profound uh, meaning than just my fulfillment or my happiness or that the fact the fact that my house is not in chaos we're not fighting all the time um, but we're actually imaging the relationship between God and his people like that's big yeah. that's huge and so yeah I mean I think I would just reemphasize once again, it is a God thing. It is a glory of God thing. Um, a man and a woman coming together in this covenant, this this promise, this thing instituted by God, this 
relationship of marriage. It's a God thing. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it sets the expectations right away. For, I, for me as a young man, I, I remember by God's grace, I had some great mentors as I engaged, you know, dating and then engaged and then in my early years of marriage who reminded me regularly, hey, Adam, I just want you to know like, this, none of this is about you. Right. So whatever your expectations are of marriage, sex, romance, uh, you know, the day to day, like what this thing is going to look like, if you're thinking it's about you and what you want mm-hmm. and you being fulfilled, exactly. like that is right away building on a faulty foundation. Yep. And that's a recipe for an unhealthy marriage or a marriage that doesn't make it the distance, right. you know? And, and so they, they regularly, all caps, you know, texts, handwritten notes, you know, whatever emails, it's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which, which is hard to hear as a young man about to get married, you know, and excited for all of the beauty and romance and fun that can be in marriage. But it also made me like recalibrate a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really, this is really God's thing. It's God's yeah. design. Yeah. It's part of his mission in the world. Beautiful, vibrant marriages where husbands are lovingly laying their lives down for their wives mm-hmm. and their families and leading humbly. Like this, this isn't about me. Right. And it, it, it's like, whoa, I'm a part of something <clears throat> way bigger in this marriage with yeah. my wife. Claire is a part of something way bigger than us being happy. Right. Absolutely. And if, and if you don't start with that premise, that's all you have is my happiness, my fulfillment, like that's, if you don't start with the premise of it is about the gospel, it is not about me, that's all you have. And so then when things get tough or when things become shaky or uh, I become selfish and I, you know, whatever, like I treat my wife not as Christ would have treated his church. Right. When I'm full of myself and myself, you know, my self-absorbed state, um, that that foundation of my happiness or my fulfillment just the, that's why marriages end that's why marriage that's why people grow apart that's why people fall out of love um because the purpose was about me yeah. it was about my fulfillment it was about uh, my happiness and um i truly believe that if we understand the gospel the fullness of the gospel realized in Christ Jesus having that gospel wash over our marriages, like not only will we actually live out the purpose of it, the glory of Christ Jesus, but we will be happy. We will be blessed. Like the scriptures say, you know, blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. Like that, that happy, that's happy, that's joyful. That is um, finding everything in him. So we will be happy. We will have a fulfilled marriage if our God, if, if our aim is the the gospel and the glory of Christ. Um, And so then everything, especially our marriages, then reflect that. Yeah. Okay, so this isn't isn't in our outline, but it's got me thinking, everything that you're saying here. Um, You've probably met way more young men in this regard than I have, but I've met young men who don't want to get married. I've met young men who are... Now, it's not like they want to be alone either, though. They, They want a girlfriend. Yeah. They want a little, you know. They want to have some some sexual activity. They want to have a companion, and they might even live together, you know, and, and share some things and 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 act like they're pretend, play right. like they're married. Yeah, it's it's funny and it's a, 
it's been increasing in our culture for the last 40, 50 years or so. Um, and it, it makes me think, gosh, there might be a twofold reason why the enemy makes young men believe these lies. One of them might be because in their heart of hearts, they know that marriage is a high calling and they know it's sacrificial in nature. Yeah. That might be part of it. But the other part of it might be because they've seen so many unhappy marriages because they started off on a foundation of like, well, this will make me happy. Yeah. Marriage is just what you do. You, right. you get married, you have kids, you try and live a good life. You get the white picket fence, you fulfill all your dreams. It's, it's America and it's about me after all, right? And then it doesn't work out. And so they get divorced or they stay married, but they're not. It's not a beautiful, compelling picture of Christ in the church married. And so it's, it's like the 80s, 90s sitcom dad married. You right. know, yeah. like, yeah, we're married, but we don't really like each other. Yeah. And, and the, the husband's, you know, he's the sitcom dad. He's a pushover. He's not a leader. He's passive. He's, he's the, the butt buffoon, of all yeah. jokes. Yep. Yeah. And so like, well, I don't want a marriage like that either. So, mm -hmm. so either I know marriage is a really high calling yep. with a, with a sacrificial component to it, or I know too many marriages that are mm, just stupid, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lifeless. Right. And so why would I get married? Right. I'm just gonna have a. I'm just gonna have my my girlfriend, my baby mama, my, right. you know, whatever. It makes me happy enough, and it's kind of like, well, we don't need a ceremony, we don't need an institution to tell us anything, blah blah blah. So I'm not gonna put a ring on that thing and commit, yeah, and man up right. and lay my life down. Right. I'll just enjoy the benefits of you know the physical aspect of things and have some companionship when we want to watch Netflix and chill. Yeah, it's so like I think the enemy has put this lie out there for so many young men in our culture. Absolutely. And I think the last thing this world needs now is another lifeless marriage. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, and you see the result of it, right? I mean, when you look at our culture, when you look at society and there's, there is plenty of that mentality. There's plenty of that uh, in young men where I'm not going to commit. It's going to be on my terms. It's You know, whatever it is. And so, I'll live with her first or, you know, engage in sexual relations outside of that actual covenant of marriage. Right. Um, how's that going for us? Like, look around. Yeah, look around. You see the result of it all through society. And what, what ends up happening is just more and more brokenness. And then the stats pile up on, on what the outcomes of those of that brokenness. And... And then we find ourselves miserable again, and we go, well, well, why? Well, it's because it was a God thing. It's not a, it's not a civil thing. It's not a man thing. It's not a my happiness thing. Yeah. It's a God thing. So then we need to put this in its proper um, framework of God's design. Yes. Right? And so when it is that fidelity, um, yes, sexually, but, um, but even beyond that, that the, the, the united heart that is in that, it does, then it's not on my terms. It's not my selfishness. It's not because, you know, I don't know, like however that plays out in our lives. Like it, it's just not on my terms. And so then um, it's when, you, when we bring it within the framework of God's design for it, that being um, fidelity, that being one man, one woman, that being um, um the sexual relations and confines of that union, mm -hmm. um, the result of that, first and foremost, of course, then glorifies Christ. But you, I mean, you can see the stats within homes that 
where there's a, a man and a woman that are committed to each other, the, the, the effect that that has on the home, on kids, yeah. um, especially um, on our society, um, so much benefit, so much through the roof when we actually bring it into a God thing, a God's design thing, instead of just our selfishness or our happiness or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that's really good stuff. Um, you've mentioned <clears throat> the gospel a couple times and how the gospel should influence our marriages. Um, would Would you elaborate on... Uh, just, we could talk about this for hours, actually, Kevin, I, and I know you, this is just... It fuels both of us. But how would you, in as concise a manner as possible, articulate the gospel? Like what? That's a word that you don't, you're not going to hear a lot at the grocery store or at the restaurant, you know, right. out on a neighborhood walk. And I was just overhearing people talking about the gospel. Like, yeah. so can you, th- this, this word that means good news, can you uh, explain, you know, in, in a couple minutes, what is the gospel? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, it's one of those words that is used in church, like, all the time. It's one of the most oft-used words in church, but I think it is probably one of the more misunderstood words in the church because what we oft like what we often think is just it is Jesus died for my sins ah. right and if i believe on him i have eternal life and that is that is the nut nuts and bolts of it um right but it's bigger like it's fuller like like god sent his son sent jesus christ into the world who lived that perfect life yeah and that perfect life um is counted to me as righteousness by faith. Yeah. Like he did that for me. It wasn't just an example for me to hit. Right. Like, okay, here's Jesus. He lives lives a sinless life. Now do your best to live like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Do that. <laughs> but by faith, that sinless life is counted to me as righteousness. Mm-hmm. So he sends him, he dies in our place for our sins. Yep. Um, and then he rises again. He renders sin and the wages of sin, the price of sin, the cost of sin, all of the effects of that sin. He he renders all of that defeated. Yes. Right. And so um, it's no longer a threat to me because Christ has defeated it. And then by faith, of course, then we are then um, atoned for. We are then that that blood is applied. That sin, my sin, my past sin, my present sin, my future sins are all covered in the blood of Christ. And so, yes, it is Jesus died for my sins. Right. But the gospel is, I think, even beyond that. It is it is the story that is woven throughout the entirety of Scripture. That yeah. redemption story, um, that good news story that is woven all through Scripture. And so, um, God, I guess. It, in a nutshell, it's God pursuing his people. Yeah. Right? So God has pursued his people who often, time and time and time and time again, rebelled, <laughs> wandered, rejected him. And God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has lavished on us, like he pursues. He pursues. He pursues. He is so faithful to pursue his people. And so... Yes, it is the good news of Jesus, but I think it's that good news of redemption that is woven through the entirety of Scripture. 
And I think, again, like that then has to become our everything. Mm-hmm. Um, as a man, as like personally, before I even inject that into my home, into my marriage, that becomes my everything. So I respond and I act out of the gospel. And so what, what did Jesus do? He came, he laid himself down for the sake of me, for the sake of his bride. Um, and so when Jesus comes and he lays himself down, he lives sacrificially, he lives, he actually lives out love. If a man can get that, not in some soft, weak way, but if a man can get that amazing, dangerous um, life, my own life ending type love, mm-hmm. it's going to revolutionize everything. Change everything. Change everything. Yeah. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so I think, I mean, the gospel, of course, is the fact that God sent his son to die for my sins and that by faith I have eternal life. But it is that bigger redemptive story and the nature of God woven in that redemptive story that becomes um, that thing that we hope in, that thing that we trust in, that thing that we pursue, that thing that we model. So then when I say, like, I live out the gospel in my life, I live out that redemption story. When I see brokenness as a man and a leader commissioned by God, I step into that brokenness because God stepped into our brokenness, right? So there's, there's an element of, you know, I, I think guys often go into fix-it mode. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, but I, and I think that might be a beautiful thing. Sometimes I think it's a little premature. Sometimes I think we need to just sit with the Holy Spirit sometimes and allow him to continue to refine the, the inner workings of us. But, like, that fix-it mode thing that is, I think, in men... I think is a piece of that redemptive um, story that God has woven into our lives by the gospel. Yeah, like we step into that brokenness and we apply the gospel. Mm. Um, we apply gospel truth. We apply gospel reality, and and we love and and sacrifice, and we um, care for that which is broken, and then is restored. And ultimately, it gives glory to Christ. And so that might have been a little longer than what you were hoping for. That's but beautiful, man. I think, I mean, that that's that's that piece of the gospel that I think I just love. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good news. That's yeah. the good news of Jesus. So uh, here's, here's what I love about what you were saying there. We want to apply the gospel to our marriages. And we're specifically in this podcast, hey, women listening, we love you. Men, we're specifically talking to you when we talk about... Let's apply the gospel to our marriages. How about this? Kevin, apply the gospel to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like when we love because he first loved us, right? Right. And so I think sometimes there's a lot of men out there who haven't applied the gospel to themselves and realized, dude, you were that person that Jesus laid his life down for. Willingly, boldly, courageously, and and not receive you got to receive that, and then once that's touched your heart, you will be far more motivated and effective in leading and loving and serving your own 
wife. Absolutely. If you want motivation when you're frustrated by your family, by your wife, by your work, by whatever else is going on in this fallen world, fix your eyes on Jesus Amen. and see him laying his life down for you. Receive that. Like when you apply it to yourself, and that's why we're so big in this podcast, uh, like you got to be in the word regularly yeah, because you need it. Absolutely. It's not an option. It's yep. oxygen. Yep. If you don't get in the word regularly, where are you going to find the motivation, the strength, the inspiration to lay your life down for your wife on a daily basis yep. and the rest of your family and everyone else around you that right. you might be called to serve and lead. Right. So yeah, what 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 are your thoughts on now? We're getting specifically into probably some marriage counseling situations you've been yeah. with in people, yep. where there's the there's that headbutting kind of standoff. <clears throat> well, she won't do this. Yep. Well, he won't do that. Yeah, and and you probably see it like okay, you guys both need the gospel, <laughs> like completely. Uh, but but biblically, hey, there's the invitation to men: step out first, step yep. out first, husbands. Absolutely, and don't do it because. She, you, you got to find some way where she deserves it yep. or earns it. Maybe she doesn't deserve it. Doesn't. Do right. it anyway. Yep. You didn't deserve it either. And Jesus died for you. Absolutely. So thoughts yeah. on that. And, and have you, you know, yeah. we're talking more of a practical basis here for helping young men and in their marriages. So, you know, oftentimes, as I referenced just a few seconds ago, like when we go into fix it mode, it is, we are quick to try to apply something to a situation, apply the gospel to a situation, or preach something to a situation or to our spouse, <laughs> um, and not have it wash over us, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ephesians 5, Christ sanctifies his bride by washing her with the word so that he might present her to himself in splendor, like without spot, without... So as you just said, like the importance of us getting into the word of God. Yeah. Like it has, there has to be an authentic, real relationship that is hinged, that is, that is grounded in, based in the gospel in a man's life. There's, we have no hope to leave, to lead our wives and our kids in the gospel or in God's design without that authentic encounter with the gospel ourselves right and so we get that by the word of god we get that right the god like that gospel is the power of god unto salvation was that romans one yeah like that is there's there's power there that's going to wreck my life in the best way and so we immerse ourselves in that we we, we're not going to lead our families in anything unless we've experienced it ourselves right we're not going to lead our families anywhere in the territory of the kingdom of God without immersing ourselves in the gospel first. And so, um, I, first and foremost, I, you just, we have to be there. Like we will not lead our families in anything unless we're there. Um, otherwise it just becomes amazingly inauthentic and, or, uh, hypocritical and our wives and our kids will see that all day. And instead of, a love for the gospel growing in them and them being sanctified by the gospel, what ends up happening is they just end up resenting it. It just becomes something that we've weaponized so that our behaviors become better. Yeah. That my wife acts more like a loving wife 
instead of responding to me living out the gospel, <laughs> me yeah. living out that Christ role. I, oh, yeah. When I sit down, when I sit down in pre-marriage counseling all the time, we 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 go through systematically. We go through Ephesians five, um, twenty-two to thirty-three, and I often look the young men square in the face and I say, "Listen, if you get this Jesus part right, <laughs> um, she'll respond to you." Like the the beautiful thing about the gospels, like, well, the beautiful thing about my current situation. Yes, I am a husband. I am a man. Like when I identify with this <clears throat> with this uh, illustration that Paul gives in Ephesians five, like I understand the weights that I need to love my wife like Christ loved the church to my end. I understand that. Like I get the weight of that, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit alive in me, I'm actually going to do it. I'm actually going to be able to do it. I won't do it in my own strength because my own strength is full of selfishness and like the the opposite, the antithesis of love is self, is selfishness. Ah, uh, yeah. And so um, I won't do it unless the Holy Spirit makes that gospel alive in me. But then I love the fact that I'm also... <laughs> part of this church. I am also the bride of Christ. And I didn't come to Christ. Um, I didn't come to Christ because he just said, submit, <laughs> that he told me something, that he just said, listen, here's, here's the rules. Now live under my rules. Right. I saw his great love for me. I saw his kindness towards me. I mm. saw the way that he left an exalted throne, put on flesh, came down, and became my everything. Yeah, come on. My righteousness, my atonement, covers all my sins, washes me by his word. Like, I saw his great love for me, and I willingly gave him everything. Like, mm -hmm. I willingly lay it all down. I willingly submit to him because I saw his great love. And so I do put a lot of weight on men in a relationship to get that Jesus part right. Yeah. Get the Jesus part right. When we do, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit then works that that real work in our families and our wives and our kids and brings everything into order when men actually lead in the power and the strength and the example of Christ. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I, I, I love that. I especially, I appreciate what you were sharing about when, when, when kids kind of resent um, the church or Christianity because you know, they saw their dads not actually living out the gospel right. in their it's marriages and, right. and everywhere else, you know? Yeah. And it reminds me of that, remember that old school quote from the 90s? Um, the largest, the biggest cause of atheism in the world today uh, isn't all the sin and all the all the junk out there. And it's Christians, it's Christians yeah. who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Yeah. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was, I don't, I can't remember that. Sorry, I'm <clears throat> quoting somebody from the 90s. I think it's even on like a DC Talk album. I think too, it is. Yeah. But I think an author came up with it before that. It's a great quote. So, yeah, uh, it applies in this situation. Like, you, do you want men, do you want your wives and your children to not only have a great, healthy family, um, but to also love Jesus? That quote 
works wonders. The, the yeah. largest reason for atheism in the world today yeah. is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their di- lips, yeah. walk out the door, yeah. deny him by their lifestyle. And so I love that you're calling men to step up, to know the gospel, to apply it to themselves first, to receive it, to see Jesus in all of his majesty and splendor step off of his throne take on flesh and lay his life down in the most humble sacrificial ways like that that stirs me like yeah. that there's your motivation like uh, you, you know like oh your wife is annoying you oh she's yeah. nagging you a little bit oh she's not living up to your expectations she's not fulfilling your needs hey guess what when you were still a sinner spitting in the face of god he laid his life down for you yeah and gave you grace upon grace upon grace and offered you forgiveness and eternal life by his shed blood. Yeah. Okay. Get that, receive that, pray it, apply it, meditate on it. Now go love your wife. Yep. Go, go lead your kids like that. That fuels me. That excites me. And I've honestly seen more wives respond when their husbands do that in beautiful ways. And, and to, in their husband's opinion, surprising ways. Yeah, like, it's right. It's not so surprising. You chose to love her <clears throat> right. with the love of Christ and not look for anything in return. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what is amazing to me is when, I, I think I've referred to it as like the the yeah buts. <laughs> because you don't know my situation, Adam. You, like, you don't know my house. You don't know my wife. You know, you don't know my kids. And so... I try to live the gospel, but yet she does this. Yeah, but she does this. And so she responds out of her flesh, which she's going to do, and I do. And mm-hmm. But the call then is to still apply the gospel. Like, how does the gospel still apply to that? When my wife responds in her flesh or, or nags or whatever it is, I justify my own fleshly response because she did this. And somehow the gospel... Uh, lived out, the gospel realized in that moment was severed, and I justified it in my brain because she first didn't respond out of the gospel. She didn't treat me right. She nagged me. She yelled at me. She Whatever it is. She didn't submit to me. She didn't respect me. Whatever. We still, like, that's the trap of the enemy Yeah. where we double down on the gospel in that spot. Yeah. Like, you apply the gospel in that spot even when the other person does not. Same thing for wives. Like, I get it. Like, I, I've sat in rooms with husbands and wife that are broken, and he's not living that Jesus spot. He's not living that Jesus role. He's not living that out well at all. And she's going, yeah, but he... And, and I've watched wives get the gospel, mm. realize the gospel in their life and the way that they sh- she should love and respect her husband, and even when he's undeserving, apply it to him. Oh, instead yeah. of going, yeah, but he, yeah, but he. So then we just, instead of justifying our own sinful, fleshly, uh, selfish responses, I've watched wives actually, unfortunately, but great, like wonderfully, lead their husbands in this, like help them realize it. Instead of them, oh yeah, like taking that initiative. Maybe they don't have the the goods yet. Maybe they don't have the skills yet. Maybe they don't have that 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 working in them yet by the Holy Spirit. Where a wife has gone, you know what? I can apply the gospel here. Yeah, I can love him and then watch a man actually step into his leadership. That's right. And so 
instead that's, of that's the goodness of God, right? Because He does call so men good. to lead. Yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. If men's not going to step up, the gospel's powerful enough. God is big enough and gracious enough. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I see right. softness in her heart, and and there there will be fruit. Like that, and then and then she's the one who applies the gospel first to herself, and then to her marriage, yeah. and then the husband's heart, his yep. get his gets softer, right? And he starts to respond, yeah. Like praise God, praise God. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. I I wonder, like, in, what are are there any other ways? Maybe uh, are there any other ways, Kevin, in your in in which you're seeing marriages under attack in today's culture? Frequently, like right now, present day, this is, hey, this is a tactic the enemy's using big time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's marriage itself is under attack in every facet. Like, so culture right now in redefining everything, right? You're trying to redefine what marriage actually is. Yeah. So going back to the, the beginning, you know, whether it's a civil thing or whether it's a God thing, if it's a God thing, which it is, it's not a civil thing. Um, it is an institution of God. So it means that God then defines it. Yeah. And so whether it's one man, one woman, um, you know, same sex marriage, whatever it is, I, you know, in a big way, culture's waging war on the definition of marriage. Right. And so, and I don't think... Even largely in the church, I think we think of it as this civil union. We think of it instead of that God thing for the glory of Christ thing that is then ultimately defined by God. And so all elements of it, all aspects of it. And so I think the actual definition of it is under attack, of course. You see that? Which, just to be clear to our listeners, biblical definition of marriage, one man, one woman, covenant for life. Yeah. Would you add anything to that? I mean, that just so we're really clear on that, the culture says something very different, but that's the that's the biblical definition of marriage. Yeah. I mean, I I think that would be a great great synopsis. Um, there's an essay that I came across from Christopher Ash in the Gospel Coalition, and uh, he pretty succinctly says, "Marriage is the voluntary sexual and public social union of one man and one woman from different families." Uh, this union is patterned upon the union of God with his people who are his bride, Christ with his church. And so I, I love it, the, that public social union, I think that takes out, like you were referencing earlier, um, you know, you have people living together, and, you know, it's kind it's kind of this, is it a marriage, is it not a marriage, we're well, doing we, everything. We don't need a sheet of paper right, to tell we us we're married. Exactly. <laughs> but, but there's a bunch of am- ambiguity there that I think does not serve the purposes of marriage or... Well, there's something about stepping up uh, before God and before friends and family and making covenant promises to that's each other. exactly. That's a beautiful... like that, exactly. That's not a sheet of paper, my friend. No. Like that's, that's putting your money where your mouth is and before God and family and friends, you're making a sacred promise to that woman that you will put her first, yeah. that you will serve her like Christ serves the church, that yeah. you will love her, protect her, provide for her. Like, I would just, I know it sounds mean. Uh, man up. Yeah. Man up. Yeah. You, you want, oh, you want that thing? Put a ring on it. Like, come on. And so I think uh, a lot of young men just need to hear that. And, um, and it, maybe I'm saying it too harshly, which is why I bring other people on the podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> what else might you say to that, Kevin? No, I, I absolutely. It, that is the uh, 
you are making a declaration that I am stepping into this God institution, this God-ordained institution, this God promise. And so um, I think that standing before your friends, family, and God himself, I think is important in doing that. Yeah, so I mean, as far as the way you see it attacked in today's culture, I think it, first and foremost, it starts with that definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that the, the composition of that, you know, and I think man and woman, I think you already touched on that. Um, and then, of course, the reasons, which I think we've, we've been touching on with the, the gospel reasons yeah. already uh, in this episode. Um, all of those, I think, by culture uh, today are, are under attack because, you know, there's this kind of pervasive thing in culture where, dude, you do you. Do you. And that phrase, you do you. If it's, if it's good for you, you do it. And so everything is then defined through this, well, I like it or I don't, or it makes me feel good or it doesn't, or it benefits me or, or it doesn't. And so even just the reasons why we would enter into a, a relationship like this is completely flawed and under attack by yeah. a culture. Yeah, but conversely, there aren't very many things <clears throat> on this side of heaven that are more powerful and beautiful and transformative than uh, a wonderful, healthy, life-giving marriage. Absolutely. I mean, I've, 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 seen, I've seen some marriages that are pretty messed up and uninspiring, but I've, I've seen some marriages that make my jaw drop. And it's not even about... I've, I've seen people in their 80s that have done life and ministry together and, and there's a legacy. It's not just their kids, their grandkids and their great grandkids. It's, it's a legacy and a heritage of hundreds and maybe even more people who've been touched by blessed, encouraged and inspired by this couple all dating back to that one day where they stood up before God and family and friends and made promises to each other based on the gospel. Yeah. And, and it's like the ministries that started or were encouraged by them, that the businesses, the, the relationships, it is beautiful. And right. that's the gospel in action. Right. Right there. And and I, the, the wife even said one day, she's like, it's not even like, it's not even about us anymore. It's about my kids, my grandkids, my great grandkids, all these hundreds of people that like, if our marriage didn't end well with, with us dying, yeah. <laughs> like, and going to heaven, if it, if it ended in divorce, like, all those people would be affected. Yeah. So if I get grumpy with my husband, I think about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, the legacy that God has built on this marriage. Yeah. It's not even about me. Right. And so I, I just, and I wonder, you you made such a great point of like the counseling people in the yeah buts. Yeah. Yeah, but she, yeah, but, yeah, but even if I did, and it just made me laugh. Like, can you imagine if Jesus looked at this broken world yeah. and considered going to the cross and saving us, yeah. but then said, yeah, but yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I would, but you know, Adam, he's still gonna, he's still going to have, even after I die and rise again, he's still going to have that issue. Yeah. He's still going to have that, that addiction <laughs> his whole life. He's going to be messy Yeah. for 80 plus years yeah. there on earth and imperfect yeah. and still, ugh, I don't know. Right. Maybe it's not yeah. worth it. I can't, can you just imagine if Jesus looked at us and had the same, yeah, but. Right. I mean, we'd be lost forever. Right. So that's another, those are, those are two things that what you were saying really made me <clears> think, yeah, wow, the legacy and the heritage and the blessings that can come from a beautiful marriage. Yeah. And 
can you imagine Jesus saying, yeah, but I can't, I can't imagine our savior saying, yeah, but right. Kevin, we're gone over time. Yeah. I thought these will all be 30 to 40 minute (laughs) podcasts, but I want to ask you, um, is there anything on your heart that you would want to end, uh, this episode with and, and just as a thought or as a, uh, an encouragement to our listeners out there? Uh, if you find yourself struggling, if you find your marriage struggling, um, I would just encourage you, um, God has something for you that is beautiful. Like he does. And please, oh, please, like, don't give up. Don't give up on it, but double down on the gospel. And if you're still like, I don't, I don't know if that's realized in my life or whatever, like find yourself some good brothers um, probably within a church yeah. that can help press that gospel and help you realize the gospel, what it means to love your wife like Christ loved the church, what it means if there's if there's women listening. Like my husband, like my marriage is a, is a mess right now. Like what, what does it mean for you to embody the gospel? Because marriage, like there, there's a, there's a fallacy. There's a lie in our culture right now that marriage just doesn't work. Traditional marriage just doesn't work. Look at the stats, look at whatever. And I would say that's because we've unhinged it from the gospel. Mm. Like we've, we've taken that, that purpose and that meaning out of it. We've made it about ourselves and it, in that realm, yes, you're right. Absolutely, it does not work. And if your marriage right now isn't working or is broken or clunky or just not vibrant, like individually, personally, double down on the gospel. Apply yourself to it and love your spouse to your end. Serve your spouse without it, it don't don't keep score don't expect any like Jesus didn't like serve because we would like do something else or dump something different or something in exchange he served to his end and I'm telling but here's the thing like pragmatically like practically I see it work <laughs> when husbands get it when husbands like just immerse themselves in the gospel I've watched their homes transformed. Mm. I've also seen women apply the gospel where their husband was so undeserving. Like I, I've counseled a couple through infidelity where the husband was not faithful. Mm-hmm. She had every right to walk away, every right. She was hurt, she was broken, but there was a glimmer of the gospel in her life. Mm. And she decided to trust Jesus and she applied the gospel to her husband. Her husband now leads their family way more beautifully. He was a he was a fairly new Christian when they got married, but now has matured into the gospel more. Like she had every right to just throw her hands up and say, "I'm out." Yeah. But she believed the gospel. Wow. And it like probably has caused more sanctification and growth in her husband than anything else could ever. And so like, I would just say like the gospel, marriage works when it's a gospel marriage. And so if there are any listeners out there that are struggling, like double down on the gospel, immerse yourself in it, apply it like, and then just be liberal in applying it to your marriage. Like 
uh, one of our core values at the church that I help lead is the liberal application of mercy. And like that word has different connotations, but basically just lavish it. Yeah. Like we're going to develop people by the lavishing of mercy and grace, knowing that we're all broken. But if we're broken together and we're all coming at it for the aim and the glory of Christ, the aim and the glory of the gospel, it actually works. And the effects of it are wonderful. Like, I, again, I, I've seen homes transformed when men and women just beautifully, um, uh, with full heart, apply the gospel. Amen. That's a good word. Love you, bro. Thanks, brother.